श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतन की जय श्री ब्राह्मण गीता की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रेमानंद हरि हरि वो सो मैं प्रणाम टू ऑल ऑफ यू गुड मॉर्निंग गुड आफ्टरनून वट एवर यू मे बी एंड यू मे नो टूडे वी आर स्टार्टिंग इन यू सीरियस ऑफ लेक्चर्स इन द कॉन्टेक्स ऑफ ब्राह्मण गीत विल बी द सॉन्ग ऑफ द बाम्बल बी टूडे वी विल बिगिन दिस यूनिक सेक्शन ऑफ द श्रीमद भागवतम विच इज फाउंड इन द टेंथ कैंटो फोर्टी सेवेंथ चैप्टर विच Uh, includes 10 verses from this section verse 12 to 21 so we will be speaking for quite a while about this mm-hmm. this is a very uh, mysterious and important section of the whole bhagavatam and well i have been giving in spanish a series of lectures about different songs of the bhagavat mm-hmm. presented by the gopis in the 10th canto like venu gita pranay gita gopi gita we have shared gopi gita in english not the rest of them let's see in time but i want to share this brahmar gita i'm also given this series in spanish i have started some days ago so i'm given the same series both in spanish and english simultaneously so today we are beginning with this series we'll take as i mentioned some some months i think and we will begin for sure by giving an introduction to the whole series and this introduction will last for a few lectures as well so we can really build up to the moment specific moment where the brahma gita is there and eventually i'm sure we will also have to share some considerable lectures as a conclusion and after thought of this unique section of the bhagavad the song of the bumblebee so today in our first meeting i will we will have our first introductory lecture i think we may spend for four or five introduction introductory lectures before entering officially into the brahma gita to build context and today we will be studying chapters we will make a brief recap of the previous chapters to the brahma gita which come after the previous song of the gopis in the 10th canto so today we will be studying chapter 41 to 44 of the 10th chapter but before of that before all this i'll make some brief introduction to the other songs in connection to so we can really keep in mind the flow of how these different songs of the gopis are being expressed in the bhagavat but before even starting with that as usual let's begin apart from the mangala charan we already have invoked starting this new study invoking the blessings of this today of our gorya sampradaya shriman mahaprabhu who himself as being krishna tasting radha bhav he went through he tasted all these different Uh, songs that are presented in the bhagavat by the gopis all which at the same time represent different stages of separation exhibited in each of these of these songs of these gopi gitas if you will songs of the gopis so as you know mahaprabhu sri chaitanya devi krishna himself sham sundar trying to access hmm, the inner world of experience of sri radharani and uh, through the mainly through the low tide of separation 
that she feels for him. That's the main uh, attribute of Sri Gaur Sundar. She's Krishna and Radha Bhav is mainly experiencing separation. Radha experiencing separation from Krishna and through that separation getting to the high tide of union. So through this particular mood is Mah- that Mahaprabhu tasted all these different Gitas, six main Gitas from the 10th canto sung by the gopis, all of which again present love and separation, one after the other in the mood of Radha Mahaprabhu did that, establishing also an example for the sadhakas who really gradually hanker to access the service of such an experience in one way or another, which is the zenith and the ultimate reach of our Gaudiya Sampradaya. So in this way we pray for the grace of Sriman Mahaprabhu, so we may be blessed in our presentation and the sharing and the hearing and the ruminating and processing of, of such sacred content. And also in that connection we could say that Mahap- for Mahaprabhu was, we know the Bhagavad was his heart, he embraced the Bhagavatam in such a way that that gave us a result, the whole Sampradaya, we call the Gaudiya Sampradaya. And he empowered his followers, especially six Goswamis, to disseminate his heart and his experience in the form of books composed by them, all of them mainly based on the Bhagavad. And interestingly, we, we could also mention beyond the well-known writings of the Goswamis like Rupa Sanat and Jiva on the basis of the Bhagavad, also we could say the gift that Mahaprabhu gave to the less known of the Goswamis, who was Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. Mm-hmm. Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, who is the less known of the Goswamis, he did not receive a gift like the ones Mahaprabhu gave, for example, to Gopal Bhatta. To Gopal Bhatta, Mahaprabhu gave his own asana, pointing him as the Diksha Guru among the Goswamis. To Raghunath Das Goswami, he gave, Mahaprabhu gave his own Govardhan Sila with Gunjamala, indicating the service of Sri Radha. But to Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, Mahaprabhu gave what? He gave the Bhagavad. He gave the Granth Avatar. He gave himself, Krishna being, Mahaprabhu being Krishna himself, in the form of Granta, in the form of sacred scripture, sacred sound. So as we spoke in the Vaishnava etiquette series, in the same way hmm, that Srimurti is non-different from, from Bhagavan, Srinam is non-different from Srinami, similarly Bhagavat is not different from Bhagavan. It's called Granta Avatar. Hmm. So this descent in the form of sacred scripture. So Mahaprabhu gave the Bhagavat, to Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, who became well-known in between among the Goswamis for reciting the Bhagavat in different sweet tunes and with lots of realization. So that's not <coughs> to be underestimated. So similarly, by the grace of Sriman Mahaprabhu, we are conducting this session. And, and he, hmm, uh, along with Nityananda Prabhu, as, as, as Chaitanya Bhagavat points, he and they give us as a gift, the two Bhagavatas, the Granta Bhagavat, the Granta Avatar, Srimad Bhagavatam, but which can only be understood through the Bhakta Bhagavata, the devotee Bhagavata, the Paramahamsa, the, Mahaj- the Mahajan. So we are conducting this series again with the blessing not only of Mahaprabhu, not only of Gornitananda, but Angrantaras, Bhagavat, Srimad Bhagavat, Mahapuran, but also with the blessing of Sri Guru and Vaishnavas. In which way? Well, trying to honor in the proper way, the different commentaries that our Purvacharya, Purvacharyas have gave, had presented to this Grand Taraj. And understanding that that's the main way to enter into this domain, into the world of the Bhagavad, into the particular portal that the Bhagavad is pointing to us, uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavas. 
say Rupa Goswami, only through divine sacred greed, you will be able, that's a price to pay, that's a currency to access hmm, the world of emotions and service that the Bhagavan is pointing to us. So Laulyam, this greed, so how this greed comes in the context of Ragamark? Mainly by hearing Harikata, which in one way it will be Bhagavad Kata, and which in one way will be Brajakata, which the essence of the Bhagavatam is the tenth canto, and the essence of the tenth canto are those chapters dealing with Brajalila. So to hear Brajakata from the lips, lotus lips of Rasik Vaishnavas, Rasik Bhaktas, that's one of the most powerful ways of creating Bhakti Samskar for us to develop this sacred greed. Of course, I'm not that Rasik Vaishnav. <laughs> Uh, but I will try to present, share the presentation in the context of what our Purvacharyas, the Rasik Bhaktas, Srila Gurudev, and, and many other sadhus have said in the context of this Brahmar Gita, in the context of the different songs of the Bhagavad. So after this brief extra invocation of blessings, let me share with you a brief recap of the five previous Gitas, which, because Brahmar Gita is the sixth the last one of these six Gitas that I've chosen in my Spanish series to share, and maybe, maybe in English in time we may share the rest of them. So there are five, and apart from the Brahma Gita, five Gitas, five songs sung by the gopis in the context of the tenth canto, all of which illustrate a particular type of viraha or vipralamba, separation in the context of divine love. Uh, and again, to witness this, to hear about this is crucial, not only for sadakas, but especially according to what Vishwanath Chakravartakur mentions in Raghavartman Chandrika. For those sadakas, or we, we could say premikas, who attain prem, who attain divine love, and who are being born in the Prakat Lila, whatever the Krishna Lila is going on on earth, so they can continue uh, refining their prem, in the association of Nitya Parishats, eternal associates of Bhagavan, especially be witnessing the different moods hmm, that they are going through in separation from Krishna on the Prakat Lila. All this will be unfolding in, in, in the chronological uh, development of the Prakat Lila. That as we know, the difference with the Aprakat Lila is in the, uh, in the Prakat Lila there is chronological unfolding, if you will. So here in this context, those sadhakas will witness uh, the type of separation and will become embedded with that and further refine their prem in order to access the Aprakat Lila. So these five Gitas are crucial for them, but also are crucial for us as sadhakas who have not attained prem, but who want to tread that path. So very briefly I will mention these first five songs before entering with the next section today. So the first of these five is the Benu Gita. The Venu Gita means the song of the flute. This appears in the 21st chapter of the 10th canto. And this is sung by the gopis, sung by the gopis in Purvarag. There are four types of separation in the context of Madhurya Rasa. Purvarag, Man, Prabhas, and Prem by Chitya. So we will see how these four play themselves out along these six main songs of the gopis in the 10th canto. Purvarag means that type of separation that you feel before officially acknowledging your love to the person you love, before first official meeting between love, lover and beloved. You hear about the person, you have seen the person, but it has not been yet acknowledged through a first official meeting. So Benu Gita has to do with that, with this type of longing, when you are having this intense desire for 
getting closer to the beloved. So the Benu Gita means the gopis are hearing the flute of Krishna in the distance and they see how all the different species in Brindavan react to the flute and they feel themselves so unfortunate that they do not have the chance of getting closer to Krishna as they will like, basically. So here we, we have certain level of, of course, of rasa in the expression of the Benu Gita. It's a very beautiful song. But still there is not, there has, it has not been a first meeting with Krishna and the subsequent separation. So there's not that much rasa as we will find in the following songs. Anyhow, it's an incredible, totally transcendental song. With this, I'm not downplaying and downgrading the Benu Gita. But it's important also to understand how each one of these songs is presenting a progressively higher and newer expression of Prem. Because eventually that's the nature of love basically, always growing in itself. So, Benu Git, brief words about that. The Pranaya Git is the second one. Pranaya means love, basically. So, the song of love. This comes in chapter 29 of the Bhagavatam. Some verses, not the whole chapter. So, this chapter is the first one of five chapters concerning Rasa Lila, called the, the Rasa Panchadhyayi, these five chapters. So, this is song with right, the Braja Gopikas when they meet Krishna. When Krishna plays the flute inspired by the mm, uh, autumn season, full moon, mm, romantic feelings arise in the heart and he calls, plays the flute calling the gopis. So gopis go running, leave everything, whatever they were doing. Remember, these gopis were the one of the Benu Gita in Purbarak. They want to meet Krishna. So Krishna is calling them now. They go and Krishna apparently, at least on some level of reading, tells them to go back to their homes. So the gopis present some reasons why to stay there and not return. So that's the Pranaya Gita, basically. Here the Rasa Lila has not started yet, because it is said that Sri Radha didn't come yet on the scene, because she fainted when she heard the sound of the flute, so she was not able to run after the flute. So the gopis are with Krishna, and they're anticipating the possibility of imminent separation from him, because he's telling them on some level, you can go back home. Hmm? So that's one form of Prem by Chitya. Prem by Chitya means separation in union. There are different forms of it. And we will see Brahma Gita represents another, uh, not Brahma Gita, sorry. We will see a pastime close to Brahma Gita which represents another form of Prem by Chitya. So Prem by Chitya means I'm with my, my beloved, but I feel, I fear imminent separation by any reason. So here we have that in the Pur Pranaya Gita. Prem by Chitya in this particular form. And again, in this Pranaya Gita, there is a higher degree of rasa in comparison to the Venu Gita because the relation has been consummated a little bit more, at least. The gopis have been there, Krishna called them, they are seeing them. But still, there's not that much rasa in the f future songs, if you will, next songs, because Radha is not yet present, as she will be in the next song, which is the Gopi Gita. So in the Gopi Gita, which is whole chapter 31, of the 10th canto, still we are in the five chapters dealing with Rasa Lila, as you know. Uh, eventually, as you know, Krishna Radha appears on a scene, Rasa Lila begins, Krishna dances with the gopis, eventually Krishna disappears from the Rasa Mandal, and the gopis start to look for him, and they see some uh, foot, footprints from Krishna, and then from another gopi, they realize Radha is that gopi, they find Radha eventually, and Krishna left her for certain reasons, and eventually those gopis empathize with Radha and join her, and all of them together sing Gopi Gita. The song of the gopis will mean, which means in separation from Krishna. So this Gopi Gita is higher than the previous ones, because 
the separation that the gopis are experiencing here is after they have joined Krishna in Rasa Lila. But Krishna disappeared with certain intention in mind. So this type of separation is called pravas. Pravas means separation that comes because of distance, physical distance, circumstance. And there is intentional pravas and unintentional pravas. So here is intentional. Krishna disappeared with some intention in mind. Hmm? We already spoke about that in our Gopi Gita series in, in, in English, I think, last year or two years back. So, so the point is that there is a higher expression of Rasa here because Krishna joins with the gopis, Radha is present. Hmm? So it's in, more intense that the separation in Purvarag from the Venu Gita, more intense than the Pranaya Gita. Hmm? Because here, not only they met Krishna, but also Radha is present and Radha's supreme position is acknowledged at one point of the Gopi Gita hmm? by the other gopis, which has not happened in the previous Gitas. Hmm? So in this way, when Krishna went, came back to the Rasa Lila after this Gopi Gita, a higher expression of Rasa and of beauty manifested there. So that's the third one, Gopi Gita. Just to recapitulate put everything in context. Then we have the Jugal Gita, which, is, which comes in the chapter uh, 35, chapter 35 of the 10th canto. This is the fourth song, Jugal Gita. Jugal means pairs. Because this song, this song will be presented in pairs of verses. So Jugal Gita will appear in a different context of separation. Because here Krishna already uh, was meeting with the gopis every single night for Rasa Lila. They were having Rasa Lila every night. So at this stage, at this point of their lives, the motion of the gopis divided in two, we could say. On one side, intense samboga, intense uh, union at night in Rasa Lila but intense corresponding pralamba or separation during the day. So this gave, gave rise to an intense desire in the gopis to meet Krishna also during the day. It's not that, okay, now we are meeting every single night, we are satisfied. No, now we want to meet him in the day as well. So they will present this Yugal Gita in that context. During the day, hearing Krishna's flute in the back, similar to Benu Gita in that sense, but with another experience having had another experience, having had another no longing now. So here we have a higher rasa even than the previous songs, because here the gopis are experiencing a higher degree of union with Krishna, because they are having rasa lila every night, and therefore they are experiencing a higher degree of separation during the day. Hmm? So this is, again, another form of separation is prabhas, the same one as Gopi Gita, but unintentional prabhas. In this case, Krishna is not intentionally disappearing from the gopis, but he has to go on a daily basis. He goes to the forest with the cows, his friends, so it's unintentional. By force of circumstance, they are separated on the day by distance. So this Jugal Gita, and interestingly, this connection, the gopis want this union during the day. It's not happening till this point of the chronological unfolding of the Lila on earth. But after the Jugal Gita comes the killing of Aristasur, the bull demon. So what does it mean? Killing of Faristatur gives place to the appearance of Radhakun and the appearance of Shamakun. And that gives place to the daily meetings and the midday pastimes between Radha and Krishna and the gopis. So at this point of the Lila with the appearance of Radhakun, it is said that the Prakat Lila, the Lila on earth, reaches the same position of unfolding, if you will, or development, like what we find in the Aprakat Lila, in the Nitya Lila of Golok. That's called Nitya Stiti, means like permanent position. So at, at that point of the Prakat Lila, hmm, 
uh, we should stop there, if you will. My Guru Maharaj would used to say that. When that happens, you stop there, and that there the Prakat Lila resembles the most as how what's going on on a daily basis in the Aprakat Lila. So if we say, okay, we should stop there, one may wonder, so what else, what other form of separation is possible after such a thing? So yeah, there are some other forms of separation in the Prakat Lila. And then we come to the fifth song, which is the Biraha Gita. Biraha means separation. <clears throat> so this will appear in chapter 39. So this is a previous song to the Brahma Gita we will be studying in this series. So the Biraha Gita, chapter 39, is the first of two songs along with the Brahma Gita in which Krishna, uh, differently from the Aprakat Lila, is leaving Braj. Leaving, quote-unquote, as we will see. Krishna never puts a step outside of Braj, but somehow or other he leaves <laughs> to Mathura, eventually to Dwarka and so on. So with this leaving, he's creating another type of separation that does, does not exist in Golok Vrindavan, basically. And in one sense, all the other types of separation that we have seen are also not present in Golok. At least not in that type. There is not the pur that type of Purvarag because there is not a chronological unfolding, basically, of the Lila. That's the point. There is Nitya Stiti there. But as we mentioned, all this is exhibited in Gokul on earth and between other reasons for the benefit of the Premikas who are born on the Boma Lila and require to refine their Prem being witness of the separation of the Nitya Parishads. So in this Viraha Gita, we will find another, again, one form of Prem by Chitya. Prem by Chitya we mentioned is separation in union. You are with your lover, but you anticipate the imminent separation. So how does this happen in this particular song? As you may know, Akrura is sent to Braj by Kamsa, Kamsa Maharaj, to take Krishna and Balaram to Mathura, because he invites them to a sacrifice of a boy, a bow, as we will see today, and some fighting contest. That's the excuse. He wants to kill them, basically, <laughs> as we know the story. So the point is, Akrura comes in the chariot and is taking them, on the chariot, I'm of course making a recap of that, only a brief summary. So nobody in Brindavan basically is putting big obstacles to Krishna leaving Braj. So the gopis, by witnessing that and experiencing this imminent separation, start to sing this Viraha Gita. They start to basically abuse, in words, providence itself, Akrur, what to speak of Akrur, the ladies of Mathura, Krishna himself, the Vrajavasis, in different turns, in different verses, in the high waves, of their ecstasy and absorbed in remembering different lilas with him and culminating their song, the Viraha Gita in Nam Kirtan, invoking the names of Krishna with the famous line Govinda Damo Dharamadaviti. Govinda Damo Dharamadaviti. There we find in the Bhagavatam this famous line, invoking the names of Bhagavan. So eventually Krishna leaves with Balaram and a crew in the chariot, and Krishna on the way to Maturaj sending different messages through messengers, through the gopis, confirming, affirming his love for them, promising, I will be back very soon after killing Kamsa. So after this leaving, quote-unquote, from Braj, it is said that the gopis immerse themselves into an ocean of separation, absorbed in remembering the leelas of Hari, and Akrur, who is the uncle of Krishna, just on the borderline between Braj and Mathura, it is said that he goes to the river Jamuna to recite some, some, some mantras, and 
he suddenly has the darshan of Krishna and Balaram during the Jamuna as Vishnu and Ananta, Mahavishnu and Ananta Sankarshan, which this the point is from from Vrindavan out outside. Krishna and Balaram, I'm not leaving that. They return there. They never leave Vrindavan. So what's going out of Vrindavan is an expansion of them. Vasudev, Krishna, Sankarshan in the context of Baladev. The original forms remain always in Braj. So after such darshan, chapter 40 of the Bhagavad Gita, which is the next chapter of, of the Viraha Gita, of the Bhagavatam, sorry, which comes after this Viraha Gita, are the prayers of Akrura. Famous section where Akrura is praying in front of such darshan. He became known as the Acharya of Bandhanam because of that. So, and after that, we will have the Brahma Gita. But again, I will share in these next classes what happens after this Viraha Gita, after Krishna leaves Braj, till the point of Brahma Gita. Some things will happen there. We have almost like seven chapters of the Bhagavatam there this 10th canto. But I let me give you a brief summary, trailer-like, <laughs> of the Brahma Gita, for you to have a taste of that, and then we will make some brief recap of, of the in-between chapters. So after these first five songs, we have the sixth one, which is the Brahma Gita, the song of the bumblebee, which is, I will clarify, different story from other typical pastime that we hear in, con in connection to Sri Radha and the bumblebee which is, for example, narrated in the Bidagda Madhav of Srila Rupa Goswami, in the act number five. I will briefly tell that pastime for you to understand the difference between the two. So in this Bidagda Madhava section, the Silvan goddess, Brinda Devi, she's understanding the, the, the loving desires of Shishirata Krishna, so she starts to create the proper environment for that in the forest. So she starts to awaken different flowers and vines, in Braj, calling them by name, O Madhavi, smile softly, O Malike, jasmine flower, show your smile, O roses, bloom up beautifully, O golden jutica flowers, give up your drowsiness, wake up, and in this way, lotus flowers, be happy, appear, clove vine, show your beauty, you should all create a desire in Radha and Hari and Krishna to sport in the forest, basically, she's instructing the forest to appear in a particular way. And then Brinda Devi appears in a scene, Radha and Krishna there. Brinda Devi brings two white play lotuses that sometimes they have in their hands and two red ear-decorating lotuses to be put on the ear. So Krishna decorates Radhika's ears hmm, with these red lotuses. And then suddenly a bee, a bumblebee, that was hiding in one of Krishna's white play lotuses starts to fly up from the white lotus to Radhika's face, being attracted to her sweet fragrance, to her lotus-like face, <laughs> and to the fragrance of the red lotus flowers that decorated her ears. So the point is that this bumblebee makes Radha fearfully flap her arms, vine-like arms, around and embrace Krishna. On many occasions this happened, seeking his shelter. So at that point Madhu Mangal, who is Bidusaka, Priyanarama Saka, who was close to the situation, chases the bee away, who was appearing in between Radha and Krishna. So he says to Radha, Oh Radha, Madhusudan, which means the bumblebee, is gone. So you won't see him anymore. But the point is that Madhusudan also means it's the name of Krishna. <laughs> so she Radha heard Madhusudan and she thought immediately, related immediately everything with Krishna. So she thought, Oh Madhumangal is speaking about Krishna. I won't see him anymore. So she became immediately very upset and entered into a zoom of ecstasy and separation in Prem by Chitya, 
It's another form of prey by Chinti here. Union in separation. There is no imminent separation. She feels I'm separated while Krishna is just in front of her. So at that point, Shirada starts to to lament, saying, oh, alas, maybe the cows called out for his help, for Krishna's help being caught in a forest fire, or maybe he has found some fault in me. She starts to lament in humility, dainyam. Maybe he was taken elsewhere from, by another gopi. Otherwise, why Krishna suddenly left me? So this is Prem by Chitya. And Krishna is totally astonished having darshan of Sri Radha's Prem by Chitya. So all the devotees around her, gopas, priyanarma, sakas, gopis, Krishna forbids them, secretly forbids to break her illusion so that he may witness, have darshan of her wonderful expressions of Prem for him. So she rather continues lamenting, oh, Krishna could not decorate my hair with Madhavi flowers, for example, or he could not, I could not string a garland of Changpak flowers to kiss his chest or beat him with jasmine flowers for fun, whatever. Today, at the beginning of our Sylvan forest pastimes, some forest fire broke out and I lost sight of him. And Krishna was there again. So this is another form of Prem by Chitti in the context of a pastime with a V, bumblebee. But this is not the Brahma Gita. As I want to clarify that. <clears throat> so the Brahma Gita, uh, which will mainly imply Prabhas, again, we will go to that type of separation, not Prem by Chitya, but Prabhas, which was circ- intentional, longer intentional Prabhas, which is circumstantial physical distance like separation. And there will be some man, which is the fourth type of separation. Man means jealous love. That rather will express that in, in this. Brahma Gita, which again are ten verses, which Sri Radha will speak in the in the zenith of <clears throat> Dibyon Mad or Divine mind, Madness, speaking to a bumblebee that she will take as a messenger from Krishna. It is say the brief context of that it is one after going to Mathura, Krishna sent Uddhava to Vrindavan as a messenger with a message for the Brajabhasis and the Gopis in particular. And um, when the Brajagopis so Uddhava she, he resembled Krishna so much, he wore his remnant clothes, so they curiously approached him and circled him. So Ray realized Krishna has sent him with a message, so <clears throat> they brought him to a secluded place and <clears throat> started to speak confidentially with him, absorbed in Krishna's pastime, putting aside all their shyness and loudly weeping in separation. And then at one point it is mentioned in the Bhagavadans, we will see, <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> then one gopi, which we'll see is Radha, she notices the bumblebee, Brahmar, bumblebee, and she considered it to be a messenger of Krishna. So he spoke to it, blaming Krishna, abusing him in many ways, mostly. So Shirada expressed her supreme love for Krishna in these ten verses, which rep- in each of these verses we'll see there are ten types of called Chitra Jalpa, which means mad talk. Impulsive speech, different varieties of Chitra Jalpa, Parijalpa, Bijalpa, Ujalpa, Prajalpa. So, this Brahma Gita sometimes is called Chitra Jalpa Bachan. Bachan means like speech, speech in the context of divine discourse, madness, divine madness discourse. So, there she will say, in the same way, like bees are wandering from flower to flower, Krishna has abandoned the, gro- the lotus like gopis and developed affection for other flowers, for other people, for other ladies. Matura. And she started to contrast her different moods. He contrasted her 
own supposed ill fortune with the good fortune of others who got the association of Krishna. And at the same time, she was criticizing Krishna. She was glorifying Krishna's names, forms, Lila, Guna, Rupa. And eventually she declared, although Krishna may have abandoned us, we cannot possibly stop remembering him even for a moment. So Udav, you can imagine, he was totally overwhelmed, astonished by witnessing such a degree of love. She thought He thought he was sending a message to them, but he realized there is a message for me here. Hmm? So he was witnessing basically the highest degree of pure love from the gopis, and he tried to console them. They were anxious to see Krishna again, so they he related to them Krishna's message, and eventually they sent some message back to Krishna. We'll see all this in, in this series, basically. But before, again, before starting officially with the Brahma Gita more in detail, I consider to, to give a not-so-brief introduction to the Brahma Gita, <clears throat> so we can really grasp how this <clears throat> separation is developing both on the side of the Brajavasas and on the side of Krishna as well being in Mathura and all the different circumstances that take to this converging point, zenith-like point of the Brahma Gita, which is this last song of separation of the Gopis in the 10th canto. <clears throat> so I will explain a little bit what happened between the last song, as I mentioned, the Viraha Gita and the Brahma Gita. So I will require, I think, this class and maybe four more. So bear with me, please. And I try, and I and I have confidence that I'm confident that, that will help to all of us to enter more properly into the mood hmm, of this song of the bumblebee. So <clears throat> today we will start. and We will see chapters as I mentioned. Viraha Gita was chapter 39. The prayers of Akura was chapter 40 when Krishna and Balan showed themselves as Vishnu and Ananta. And then we will start now with chapter 41. Brahma Gita is in chapter 47. So we have seven chapters to go that we will be covering these first five lectures. But today we will cover chapters 41 to 44. Of course, this will be a brief summary, you can imagine. It's four chapters of the Bhagavad, ten kinds of the Bhagavad. So, this, till now, this has been a brief introduction to the different songs to put everything in context. Now we are more officially entering into the dynamics, getting closer and closer to the Brahma Gita. So let's begin with a summary of uh, chapter 41, which is called Krishna Balaram Enter Vrindavan. So again, after the prayers of Akrur, when he saw this full display of Aishwarya from Krishna and Balaram, showing themselves as Vishnu and Nanta, a crew returns to the chariot. Krishna and Balaram were waiting in the chariot, but actually they manifested themselves as Vishnu and Ananta simultaneously in the Jamuna. So when a crew returns, they, he saw that he saw Krishna and Balaram there looking at them, and Uda was totally, uh, was totally astonished, overwhelmed. So Krishna says, "Have you seen something wonderful there in the Jamuna?" <laughs> so of course, a crew replies to them, glorifying and, and again invoking another series of prayers and so on. So the journey continues and eventually Akura is driving the chariot to, towards Mathura, towards the point of Mathura. And in the way from Vrindavan to Mathura, all different people, village people that were seeing Krishna and Balaram. And remember, many of these people never went to Vrindavan, never saw Krishna, but they all the news about Krishna Lila for so many years were spreading you know, in this direction. After 11 years and a little bit more that Krishna stayed in Braj in the Prakat Lila. So all of them were getting closer to the chariot to have darshan of Krishna and Balaram, glorify them and so on. So eventually at the end of the day, they reach Mathura, the big city 
the village boys entering the beach, the big city. It is said that simultaneously, along with Krishna and Balaram, Nanda Maharaj and the Gopas, Krishna's friends, also went to Mathura to be part of this event, big event. And Nanda Maharaj, as we know, he promised to Yasoda, I will take him back. So that's why Yasoda allowed Nanda Maharaj to take to, to, to Krishna to go out branch. So Nanda was going with the Gopas, and they went on a different chariot, different carts, bull of carts, and so on. So they arrived to Mathura first, then Krishna Balaram, uh, because, again, Akura was a little bit delayed with this darshan he had in the Jamun and so on. So Nanda and the Gopas wait for Krishna Balaram at one particular point. And when they arrived to Mathura, uh, Krishna immediately, and put putting his feet on Mathura, he starts to feel the separation from Braj. His heart is full of pain by remembering Braj. And we all see, try to bear this in mind all along our narration, to, till the very end. How all these lilas outside of Braj actually are, are pointing to Braj over and over again. The Bhagavatam is speaking directly about Braj or indirectly about Braj. So the Mathura lilas, the Dwarka lilas are indirectly glorifying Braj by showing, in com by comparison, by way of contrast, the degree of love that is not found in Mathura and Dwarka that is found in Braj. Mm. So it's important that, that we bear that in mind because that's our main focus. So... Krishna arrives to Mathura. His heart is full of separation to, by remembering Braj. So at the end of the day, he asks Akura, you can go back home. You go to your house. And me with Balaram and my friends, they got to meet the Gopas. We will visit the city a little bit. We are village boys. We came to the big city for the first time. We want to see a little bit the surroundings. So Akura goes back. He goes to Kamsa also informing that he brought Krishna Balaram and he asked him. So after that, he goes to his house. And then a detailed description of the opulence of the city of Mathura is there in the Bhagavad, the beauty of the city. Again, Mathura is an eternal realm as well. It's one of the three divisions of Golok. Golok Vrindavan, Golok Mathura, Golok Dwarka. After this, the Bhagavatam describes the beauty of the ladies of Mathura, who again, were hearing about Krishna, for so much time, never saw him. Now they had the chance of the first darshan. So they were contemplating Krishna and Balaram from their uh, rooftops of their houses in ecstasy, leaving everything they were doing, mm, like half makeup, whatever they were cooking. They just left everything to see Krishna, which sounds similar to how the gopis reacted towards this call of Krishna's flute. But as we know, it's similar, but never the same. And as we will see, it's not. there's no point of comparison. So again, they have heard about him, now they are seeing him, they are, and Krishna is captivating them with their sidelong glances, as we know. Dira, he's a romantic fellow, somehow or other, even in Mathura, of course, not the same romanticism we will find in Braj. So they are singing his glories, the different Brahmanas in Mathura, they are offering their pranam to Krishna. And this way Krishna is entering Mathura for the first time. After this, the Bhagavad describes a washerman who appears on the scene, who was a servant of Kamsa. So Krishna uh, asks him, please, can you give me... He was washing the king's clothes. So Krishna asks him, he's with Bala and his friend, give me, give us, me and Baladev, your best clothes, so we can wear them. But this washerman, he, he replies with arrogance, and calling, you are just coward boys. How you can even think of trying to used to wear the king's clothes. Better you stop saying that and he started to threaten them. 
Because if not, better you leave this place now because you will be chastised. Of course, Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur in his commentary in books, Saraswati Devi, the goddess of speech, who couldn't tolerate that some insult was given to Krishna, so she gave a new, a total different meaning to the verse, which actually resulted in a glorification to Hari. But on some level, the washerman was criticizing Krishna. So Krishna did say that with his fingertips, he beheaded the washerman. So a new Leela began in Mathura, as you can see. <laughs> and Krishna and Balaram take the clothes they wanted and they start to wear themselves. He, Krishna and Balaram with those clothes and distribute all of them to, amongst their friends and they start to play as being kings, which is one of the main aspects of Sakya Rasa. The boys will play among themselves to be kings and princes and different roles in the kingdom. So they were doing that in Mathura, wearing the very clothes of Kamsa Maharaj. So all this is creating the momentum to what will happen eventually. So after meeting the, the washerman, Krishna Bala and the friends meet a weaver. In this case, a very affectionate one. So he saw Krishna Balaram very lovingly. He went nearby them and started to ornament them, putting different decorations made of clothes that he had made on Krishna Balaram, decorated them. And Krishna, very pleased with him, promises to this weaver, Sarupya, in the form, you will receive the form of a gopa at the end of your life. <coughs> And all the enjoyment in this life. In his Gopal Shampoo, that we will also be quoting it a lot, which is, I will say, the masterpiece of Jiva Goswami. Of course, Satsandarvas are another masterpiece. But regarding Bhava, Gopal Shampoo is narrating the 10th canto in a very unique way. So in the Gopal Shampoo, Jiva Goswami said that this weaver received Sarupya in the form of the Gopa right in the moment. He didn't have to wait till the end of his life. So whatever be the case, he was blessed. So then, after this, uh, it is said that Krishna Balaram went to the house of the garland maker, Sudama. This is not the same Sudama, that is Sudama Vipra, the Brahmin Sudama, with, with whom Krishna studied in the Gurukul, as we will see. And he met eventually later, when he was in Dwarka. And he's not the Sudama who is a Gopa in Brindavan. There are many Sudamas. This is a garland maker in Mathura. So, here the, gar here the garland comes. Now, first, there is an order here. First Krishna was dressed, then he received the ornaments, and then comes the garland. As we were, we are worshipping Srimurti, first we have Bastram, then we have Avaranam, then we have Mala. First the dressing, then comes the ornamentation, and then comes the garland. So Krishna here is, here is showing the same sequence. <laughs> so Sudama, the garland maker, received them in his house. He worshipped them very affectionately praying different, many verses, very beautiful verses, sorry that I'm not sharing them here. And he started, he offered garlands, of course, to them. He was a garland maker. So in, re in reply to that, Krishna Balaram, uh, <coughs> sorry, offer any benediction that Sudama may like. So Sudama prayed for something very typical. He said, I pray for firm devotion towards Bhagavan first, Friendship with the devotees and compassion for all jivas. So Krishna Balaram gave them an all prosperity in this life. So this is a classical uh, prayer no? to to know how to relate with every person. For Bhagavan, I want to have devotional love with the devotees. I will have to devotional friendship, and with other jivas, non-devotees, the jivas, I want to be compassionate. So we should also pray in that way similarly. So then. 
that's the end of the chapter 41, which is Krishna and Balaram arrive to to uh, enter Vrindavan, I say, it's enter Mathura, sorry, I mentioned before, enter Mathura. So, then we have chapter 42, give me one, one second, so this is called the breaking of the sacrificial bow, so we are getting closer and closer to further action here. So remember, there was a big sacrificial bow in Mathura, Kamsa, organized some event around that along with some wrestling match. So after this, chapter 42 starts by describing the meeting of Krishna with Kudja. So Kudja is a hunchback lady. So she was uh, producing and, and taking with her at that moment some fragrant ointments for Kamsa. She worked in that context. So Krishna asked from her, who are you? And for whom uh, those uh, ornaments, or not or ornaments, sorry, ornaments, that's made for whom? So he said, this is for Kamsa, he's for the king. So Krishna asked, give me the best of those. And she gives, she agrees, and she offers a blessing to her. If, if you give me them, I will bless you. So she agrees with that. So Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur comments in the Bhagavad, that actually Kupcha is a manifestation of Prithivi, of Mother Earth, who was hunchback representing the Earth because of the heavy load of uh, cheating government people, if you will, cheated politics. Kamsa was one of them, especially she was in the, at the embassy of corruption, Mathura with Kamsa there. So she was hunchback because of that. So basically that's, that's a context. And also as the element of uh, aroma is characteristic of the earth that was the earth was offering to Krishna here that was Kubja the form of this lady preparing ointments offered to Krishna some aroma we, we know now we have earth water fire air and ether and each of them includes certain elements ether has to do with sound air has to do with sound and touch fire has to do with sound touch and sight water has to do with sound touch sight and taste, and earth has to do with sound, touch, sight, taste, and smell, aroma. So that's a unique feature of the earth. So here, Mother Earth herself is offering that distincting element to Krishna in the form of Kupcha. So Krishna accepts that, very pleased, and suddenly he makes Krishna uh, Kupcha straight. He straightens Kupcha from his hunchback, and suddenly she becomes a very beautiful lady, who starts to develop immediately at that point some wish to enjoy with Krishna. Not so much to give pleasure to Krishna as the gopis will do, but to herself experience some pleasure with Krishna. And that's why her madhurya, her romantic attraction toward Krishna is termed sadarani rati. There are three types of rati. Sadarani rati, samanjasarati, and samartha rati, defined by Rupa Goswami. So sadarani rati means more like ordinary love, because she wants more concern about uh, experiencing herself something in connection to Krishna. While the gopi Samartha Rati means competent love, which is so selfless that it has the full power of controlling Krishna. And in between we have Samanjasarati, which means inhibited love, which is in between the two and is mostly connected to the queens of Dwarka. So, well, the point is that she won't start, Kupja, inviting Krishna to her home for this, but Krishna promises, I will go later. Now I have to mainly... Satisfy the main purpose, purpose of my coming here to Mathura. So Krishna continues walking. 
and charming everyone on the on, on the path and Mathura, re receiving different offerings of words and gifts from the uh, vices there in Mathura and the loving glances of the ladies in Mathura. Hmm? It is said that in Gopal Shampu and Jiva Goswami, this connection say that when the ladies of Mathura came to see Krishna, they get together closely at one level and what point to see Krishna. Krishna saw the faces of those ladies, but simultaneously, Jiva Goswami said, he desired something from them. Because he was looking everywhere in Mathura for forms similar to the gopis. So again, over and over again, our acharyas are retain, remaining in the proper context. He's in Mathura, but he's in Vrindavan. He's looking for Vrindavan in Mathura. He's not finding that. He's looking for the gopis in the in the in the ladies, city ladies of Mathura, he's not finding that, and so on, as we will see. Mm. So all this creates a proper, uh, how to say, perimeter to enter into the real mood of what's going on here. So Krishna inquires at this point, where is the big arena, where all this event, this bow sacrifice was going, was conducted. So finally he arrives there, and he sees this big bow, which was from Lord, from Shiva, and it was protected and it was worshipped. But Krishna goes there and just takes the bow himself. Even though they tried to stop him, there were different guards there. So he starts to, to pull the bow more, 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 more to the point of breaking the bow half, half into half. So Kamsa was in his palace, but at the distance he, hear, he heard the sound of the bow being totally broken half. So he became totally terrified. He was already terrified. Furthermore... So the guards, the different guards of Kamsa tried to kill Krishna and Balaram, but Krishna and Balaram killed them with these half bows that each of them have with them. And after that they continue walking in the city of Mathura. All this is just the first day of Krishna and Balaram in Mathura. Lots of events as you can see. <laughs> so at the end of the day, they returned to their campground where they were staying with the Gopas a little bit outside of, of the big city and they took rest there. So you can imagine at this point how Kamsa Maharaj was going after knowing all that, that happened in that only very first day. See, see, he was not able to sleep at all that night. Or it is said that even when he was able to sleep for a few seconds, uh, he started to have nightmares with different bad omens announcing his death. And when he was awake, he awoke and he started to show those bad omens also, sleeping and awakening in both states. He was receiving all these omens about his imminent death. So the next day, which will be the second day of Krishna in Mathura, Kamsa organized all this for this great festival of wrestling, festival in the arena. This was the day for that. So all Mathura, all of Mathura was participating in this festival, in this event. And Kamsa was there in the big arena, seated in the big, um, how to say, no? real kingdom kingdom like king like throne and but his heart was trembling basically externally he was sitting in a big throne but his heart was like totally like a little child afraid of what will happen next and after this the one who appears on the scene are Tanura Mustika who are some of the wrestlers from Kamsa's entourage so they enter the arena and also Nanda Maharaj and the Gopas enter into the not the wrestling arena but take their seats to watch the event, if you will. Krishna Balaram did not arrive yet there. So that's the end of chapter 42. So let's continue with the next chapter, 43, which is called Krishna Kills 
the elephant Kubalayapit. So at this point, different drums are played to announce the beginning of the great event. So Krishna Balaram, they were there at some distance. They hear the drums and say, okay, the event is starting. Let's go there. Some action will be taking place. Let's go. So they go, they want to enter into the, the, the arena, but they find this big elephant, El Kubalaya Pit, obstructing the entrance at the gate. So that creates, that, that generates a whole wrestling match in itself between Kubalaya Pit and Krishna. And this is really this is described in real detail in the Bhagavad, how they were wrestling and the different movements and so on. Oh, well, eventually Krishna kills Kubalaya Pit, to make a long story short. And he extracts one of of his its tasks tasks you say tasks and kill the elephant with his own tasks. So uh, and entering to the arena with those, with that task on his shoulder and Balaram taking the other one. So that's the entrance of Krishna and Balaram into the wrestling arena after killing Kubalayapit, along with the Gopas. Krishna and Balaram and all the Gopas joining him. And it at this point comes a very famous verse that my Guru Maharaj also briefly mentioned yesterday, uh, where it is mentioned how the different people at the wrestling arena watched Krishna, and according to the different mood, they were seeing Krishna in the context of each one of the different rasas, the five main rasas and the seven secondary rasas. So that's a further confirmation that Rupa Goswami uses for the idea of Krishna being Akila Rasamrita Murti, the perfect form of rasa, which can receive all different emotional dispositions and re- reciprocate accordingly. So at this point comes this well-known verse. So you can imagine at this point how Kamsa's heart is. Mm? Totally terrified. But the rest of this, the arena, the people there, is totally captivated, glorifying Krishna and Balaram. Mm? And they are remembering all the Leelas they hear from them, I mean about them, from others in Braj. So in this section of the Bhagavatam, many of those Leelas are mentioned. Krishna killing this demon, that demon lifting Govardhan Hill, doing this, doing that. They were not witnessing them themselves, but they heard about them, and they wanted to meet the main character in those lilas, so now they were having the chance. So after this section, Chanura, one of these wrestlers that I mentioned before, appears on the scene and tells to Krishna Balaram, you are very expert in wrestling, in arm-to-arm wrestling, so I invite you to wrestle with me. Chanura invites Krishna to wrestle with him, and Mustika invites Balaram to do so. So that's the end of chapter 43. So let's go to the last one chapter from today, which is chapter 44, which is the killing of Kamsa. So finally we get to that point. But before that, of course, the, the chapter begins describing the, the wrestling between Chanura Mustik and Krishna Balaram in detail with the different movements and how the whole audience was considering totally irreligious to allow that to happen because these Chanura Mustika were adult professional wrestlers, while Krishna Balaram were two boys, at least on some level, apparently. <laughs> and the king is there, enjoying the match, as he's not saying anything. He sh- he's the king, he should stop this. But the whole as- assembly has been pervaded by Adharma. They are allowing this. So in that context, there are different ladies from Mathura who are saying that, and in that context glorifying Krishna Balaram and glorifying Braj. Again, over and over again, we see how very... Strategically, Sukadev, the Bhagavad, is invoking the Braj, the glories of Braj, to put everything in context. Especially the Gopis. There are three famous verses that come here, which speak about how the Gopis love Krishna. 
they are glorifying Krishna, but in the context of glorifying Krishna, they are speaking the love of the gopis, which make Krishna to be who he is in the context of that love. So let me briefly mention those verses. I may extend this series a little bit more than usual, but please bear with me, not that much. So the first verse says, so the ladies of Mathura say, Which, what austerities must the gopis have performed? Because with their eyes they have seen and they have drunk the beauty of Krishna, which is not to be compared with anyone else. It's, equal, it's not equal to anyone else. That's the essence of all loveliness, of all opulence, and that beauty is always increasing. So again, they are glorifying Krishna's beauty that they are seeing with their eyes, but in the context of that, glorifying the Gopi's love who was able to drink that beauty on a, on a daily basis, and actually, which is, which is that what created that beauty, because the love of the Gopis expressed to their glances created a particular Krishna. So that's the first verse. The second one says, Jadohani bahanani matano palipa, prinkin kanarbaru ditokshana marjanadu, kayanti che namano rakta dio shrukantyu, tanyabra estri urukrama chitta janaha. So in this second verse, the ladies of Mathura say, This gopis, while milking the cows, winnowing grain, taking care of those children, working at home, doing whatever they want, they, they are doing whatever they are doing. They are immersed in singing of Krishna's glories. Their all whole consciousness is absorbed only in Him. While externally they may be doing something else, they are only doing one single thing. Krishna Kirtan. And the last verse is Pratad Brajat Brajato Abhishatashasayam Gubishaman Kanayatoshya Nishamya Venum Nirgati Turnamavalapati Buri Punyam Pashanti Sushmita Mukam Shadayavalokam. So the ladies of Matura say, when Krishna every day was leaving to the forest with the cows and his friends, for the gopis, that separation during the day, even one moment of separation was like a yuga, like an age of more. And when he returned in the afternoon, they felt so much relief when Krishna was throwing them loving sidelong side glances in a merciful way. So in this way, we see how very strategically the Bhagavatam is pointing, putting in context, Vrindavan is the all in all here. <laughs> And the ladies of Mathura glorifying that love, like implying we don't have that love. Here there is another love. There is love for sure. There is a type of prem, but different one. So going back to the wrestling, Krishna and Balarama wrestling with Tanura Mustik. So by hearing all these words from the ladies of Mathura who were afflicted, all oh, these boys are wrestling with these adults, Krishna said, I will kill Tanura immediately to, to, to calm these ladies, to, to relieve them. So in this way, Krishna kills Chanura, Balaram kills Mustika, and other wrestlers appear on the scene after that, Krishna and Balaram kill them all, and, and the remaining wrestlers just fly from the stage, disappear because of fear. So after killing all these wrestlers, Krishna and Balaram call their go the Sakas, their Braja Gopas, and they appear on the scene, and all of them start to dance and play and celebrate the victory, the victory, like play, like, because they are on a daily basis, they do the same, wrestling, Matched and celebrating the victory and so on. So everyone in the arena was glorifying Krishna, except Kamsa. And Kamsa is totally freaking out and he starts, he gives the order, stop the music, no? because there was some music celebrating the victory. Stop all glorification and he starts to give orders. I want Krishna and Balaram to be taken out of Mathura 
I want all the properties of the Gopas to take to be taken away. Nanda has to be arrested. Vasudev has to be killed. Even my father, Ugrasen, has to be killed. So Kamsa was going mad. He wanted to kill everyone full of fear. You know, when you are full of fear, you want to kill and attack everyone. <laughs> so when Krishna heard Kamsa saying all these things, immediately he jumped into the place from the arena, wrestling arena, to the place where Kamsa was sitting there, the kingly, the, the, the royal place. And uh, Kamsa prepared to fight with Krishna. Remember, Kamsa was the uncle of Krishna, basically. So Krishna took Kamsa from his hair and he threw him into the wrestling arena. And he killed them, killed him immediately at that point, basically. And he started to move his body along the arena, take him from the hair. In his Gopal shampoo, Srila Jiva Goswami mentioned that Krishna, but just by taking him by the hair, by Kamsa by the hair, he released half his life heirs. And then by grabbing him on the wrestling arena, he pulled him from the days and, and released the other half of his life heirs. By taking Kamsa from the hair, it seems like Krishna was saying to him, do you remember when you took my mother from his hair when Kamsa took Devaki, one of his mothers, from his hair? Okay, so now I'm doing that. But basically there, were not, there, was, there was not wrestling, there was not fighting, there was not even almost contact. Sometimes it is said that Krishna just killed Kamsa by, <clears throat> by fear. He gave some strong sh shot of fear. He practically even touched them. He's, you know, he's my uncle. He's my elder. So there's some etiquette to follow even in killing him. <laughs> so basically that's how Kamsa was killed. And it is described in the Bhagavad that Kamsa obtained mukti, obtained liberation. Only by, by thinking of Krishna every single day. He was absorbing Krishna 24 hours a day. Fully Krishna conscious, <laughs> but not with the proper mood. It was not Anukulena, not Anukul Seva, with a favorable mood. He wanted to kill Krishna in fear. But even though he was absorbing Krishna somehow, so he obtained Brahma Sayuja. Mm -hmm. To say that as Kalanemi, his previous birth, he was previously killed by Vishnu, that he did not attain liberation. But now he attained it by thinking of Krishna being killed by the Vishnu in Krishna, as, as my Guru Mahesh spoke yesterday. One thing is Vishnu killing demons, another thing is the Vishnu and Krishna killing demons. That one will afford different types of mukti. So, after being after Kamsa being killed, different brothers of Kamsa appear on the scene trying to kill Krishna. But Balaram dealt with them and killed them all as well. So after all this carnage, I think you say in English, uh, the wives of Kamsa appear and they get get got close to the, the to the body of their deceased. Uh, husband and started to lament, to cry because of her, of his death. So Krishna tried to give relief to them somehow or other, and he started to organize the funerary funerary rites of his uncle. So it is said that Krishna takes the uh, the body of the dead body of Kamsa from the hair again all along the main street of Mathura till the river Jamuna, some way to that for the funerary rites on the. Of shore of the river, also to show to the whole of people of Mathura, Kams is dead because he was kind of a dictator there. So nobody, practically anyone, was happy with him on one level. So he takes the body there next to the Jamunas. It's you. It's typical even nowadays. The body is put in a funerary pyre. It's burned. So after this, all these ceremonies, they say that Krishna <clears throat> sat in one place in Mathura called Bishram Ghat. The Ghats are these places with steps. 
between the river and land. And Vishram means rest. Nowadays, even the Vrindavan Brajamandal Parikram typically begins in that spot. Vishram Ghat in Mathura for many Gaudias. So, what does it mean, Vishram Ghat? Vishram means rest. So we think, okay, Krishna sat down to rest for a while. But actually, Krishna didn't, sat, didn't sit down there for resting, but only for crying. Again, Braj is coming to his mind because he understood, I cannot go back to Braj. In that form in particular, he was outside Braj. He realized, they have made me a Shatya here after all these events in just two days. I promise I will go back after killing cancer, but I realized so many things are to be done in that in this context. So he was absorbed in thinking about the Brajabasis and how the Brajabasis must be crying for me at this present moment. And he started to cry for them in full reciprocation at that present moment, seated on the gath to the shores of the Jamuna. And the Jamuna was, of course, touching Mathura, but also touching Braj. So it is said that the water in the Jamuna sometimes to say it's black or it's dark because of the tears of the gopis with their, mixing with their kajal. The kajal is like the eyeliner that many in Vrindavan use, but in this case also the gopis. So, but they're crying that the profuse tears, torrents of tears in separation from Krishna, along with their kajal, that made crying on the shores of the Jamuna, you know, the meeting point with Mathura, if you will. So at that point, Krishna's tears and the gopis' tears fell on the Jamuna and joined in the waters of the Jamuna. So at some level, both of them felt some relief at the distance. Both of them, Krishna the Gopis crying for the other one in separation, finding some type of relief in this particular point, Bishram Ghat. Mm-hmm. So we see how over and over again the, the, the degree of the love of the Brajabasis will come in the context of Leelas in Mathura and so on. And the last thing that is mentioned, just to finish uh, in this chapter 44, is how Krishna and Balaram, after killing uh, Kamsa, they freed. Vasudeva and Debaki, who were in prison, as you may recall. And they revere them, they offer pranam. And Vasudeva and Debaki, remember, they are Krishna's parents, if you will, on one level, or parents of one Krishna, Vasudev Krishna, as we know. But they remember, when Krishna was born, Debaki thinks, from me, in Kamsa's prison, he appeared with four arms, and we realized he's Bhagavan. So Vasudeva and Debaki started to offer prayers to them, they're telling to Krishna, you are not our son, you are the Supreme Lord, and so on. So some Aishwarya is there. There is some Madhurya, some intimacy, but mixed with Aishwarya. That's the mood of Mathura. Vrindavan is full Madhurya, although there's full Aishwarya, more than any other, other place, but it's totally buried under layers and layers of intimacy. In Mathura, there is a mixture of that. So in this point also, Vasudeva and Devaki were not embracing Krishna and Balaram when they were freed from prison, because they recall. He's Bhagavan. So again, this, with these points, the Bhagavatam is showing us Krishna is here in another place, in another mood. He will like to embrace his parents as he does with Nanda and Jashod on a daily basis in Braj. But here in Mathura, he finds, oh, my parents are offering pranam and taking some distance. Where I am? Who I am here? <laughs> so in this way, uh, chapter 44 is finishing. And I will finish also, I will put the discourse to rest here, since we have already spoken for a while. But of course, we may give place for any questions. And something I mentioned uh, also for you to know, is that regarding the questions, ideally, those who have Facebook, all of you will invi- are invited 
to share whatever questions you have on this talk or any other lecture from this Tatua Vivek series we have we are doing on a daily basis in, in a group also called Tatua Vivek that we have has been established for the discussion of topics of Tatua and Siddhanta. But I know that some of you do not have Facebook, so won't be able to enter into that group. So those of you who do not have Facebook are invited to present whatever questions you may have in connection to today's lecture. And those of you who have Facebook, I invite you to um, present the question in the Tatwa Vivek group. If you are not a member of the Tatwa Vivek group, you can ask me later <clears throat> by private message uh, so you can be a member of it and we can continue our discussion there also to activate the group and to continue sharing among many others along the week these different topics. But again, that's it. If anyone has a question that is not possibly to be presented to, on Facebook, you can present it now. I don't have Facebook, but it sounds like maybe it'd be worth my time to get the Facebook and have be part of an ongoing discussion there. Um, yeah, only for that. It's, it's a dangerous place to be, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yes. My my question is about something that you said earlier, but not precisely on the topic. Um, I happen to find this the the verse in the I think it's chapter uh, twenty three in Sanatan Shiksha in the Chaitanya Charitamrita this morning about this Brahmar Gita. Uh, two types of love described there, and or the type of love is described like unsteadiness, and then these. This type of Prajalpa talks. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, yeah, I think it, it used the term Udgarna, if I'm not mistaken. Udgarna and Chitrajalpa. So, yes, that's. I was going to speak about that eventually, but yes, those are some of the moments where the Brahma Gita is invoked in the context of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, mentioning how. Because that section of the Sanatana Siksha is speaking about, of course, Heiget peaks of divine love. No? So it's showing symptoms of would you reach such a peak. So, of course, in this case, it's speaking about Divyan Madhav Srimati Radharani. This is mostly an experience that is uh, exclusive to her. It's not something that is available for every jiva, if you will. Because it's something that is more connected to her. And, of course, those who are serving her by way of vicarious experience may receive uh, an extension of that experience, mainly mostly the manjaris and so on. So yes, we will speak more in detail when I will be going verse by verse. But in one sense, yeah, one of the symptoms of that Dibion Mad or Divine Madness, which is a higher development of all these varieties of de developed Prem, because we have Prem and we have the developments of Prem, where are Sneha, Man, Pranaya, Raghav, Anurag, Bhav, Mahabhav, then we have all the different developments of Mahabhav, Rudha Mahabhav, Adiruddha Mahabhav, Mohanaki Mahabhav, Madanaki Mahabhav, and all this reaches its point, it's, it's seen it in this Brahma Gita in one form or another. So one of the ways is Chitrajalpa, this brain will express itself, which means crazy talks, and this Udgarna has to do with unsteadiness and different types of moods, as we will see in, in, in the very context of the crazy talks of Sri Radha, but at one point she's criticizing Krishna and criticizing different avatars from Krishna, showing Aishwarya, showing that she knows how Krishna has different avatars, but all that increases her Madhurya. It's not that she will think, oh, Krishna is God with so many avatars. She starts to criticize all the different avatars of Krishna. <laughs> uh, um, but after some few verses, she starts to glorify Krishna because she feels the bumblebee 
oh, she was hearing me and now she left. He left and is giving my message to Krishna. She will, he will be upset with me. But after that, the bumblebee came back or you are so immersed. So all these different, like, how to say, you know, like, uh, roller coaster of emotions will be there present. So, yeah, in that section of Chaitanya Charitamrita, there is some brief indication of, of how it will be expressing itself more specifically in these 10 verses. So more detail, I think, we will be seeing when going on each one of the verses and we will be explaining which type of emotion is taking place at that particular verse and that particular verse, which type of Chitra Jalpa is taking place and so on. Our Acharyas have described that very nicely. So thank you for your question, Kara. Thank you. I have one more that's even less related about something you said. Let's see. Okay, so you were talking about the, the benedictions that that Lord Chaitanya gave to the six Goswamis. Hmm. Will you review those again briefly, please? Of course, I mentioned some of them. Of course, he gave so many benedictions in so many forms. But what I mentioned <laughs> in the context I was speaking was that in the same way that Mahaprabhu gave to Gopal Bhatta Goswami his asana, no, his Mahaprabhu's own asana, like pointing him as a Diksha Guru of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, the same way that he gave uh, his to Raghunath Das Goswami, Gunjamala and Giriraj Govardhan Srila for worship, in the same way he gave to Raghunath Bhatta Goswami the Bhagavatam. He made him like uh, specifically empowered in that con in that connection, as we see. Rupa Goswami is the Abhideya Acharya or Rasa Acharya, Sanatan Goswami is this. Sambanda Tattva Acharya, Raghunath Goswami is the Prayojan Tattva Acharya, Jiva Goswami is the Tattva Acharya in, in itself, the theologian. Uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami is the Diksha Guru. So each Goswami was receiving a particular type of function and empowerment by Mahaprabhu to engage in, in those functions. And Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, again, he may be the less known one, and we may say which, which was his function. And his main function was or service, if you will, or empowerment that Mahaprabhu gave to him was Bhagavat. And to recite the Bhagavat in different tunes with, with a particular feeling. Also cooking, he was very much empowered for that. So these are two very important aspects of our daily devotional experience. Cooking, Prasad, and, and Bhagavat. And so Raghunandas Goswami was the one in that connection. So that's what I mentioned in the beginning. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, any other questions? Um, let's see. I don't. I don't really have a question. I guess just because I just remembered that you said um, that. But I guess it's kind of a question. I remember. I remember you said that when Krishna came into Mathura, he couldn't find the gopis anywhere, so he became more sad. But um, I know Guru Maharaj says, you know, he kind of mentions how they remind him of. The queens remind him of the gopis, so in that sense, yeah. I guess. Yeah, of course, it, that's mentioned by Jiva Goswami, you know, that he finds some type of resemblance in Mathura or even in Dwarka. It's mainly mentioned in connection to the queens in Dwarka. I think that's mentioned also by, if I'm not mistaken, by, by Rupa Goswami, his Lalita Madhava. When at one point, uh, Satyabama shows her angry sight, if you will, <clears throat> her Bhami above, and becomes uh, angry with Krishna because he experiences certain, he shows some 
degree of love for the Brajabasis and she becomes like jealous or whatever and disappears from the scene and Krishna speaks strongly to her and I say, the only reason I'm here and I remain here on some level is because I'm somehow or other when you are giving you you giving me my your back, somehow or other that resembles of my beloved Brajagopikas and that takes me in that direction. And, and I appreciate that from you. Something like this, no? So that's more connected to the queens and Dwarka. But of course we can extend the same idea in Mathura saying that, yes, he finds some relief, but I mean, which type of relief is that one at the same time? No, it's a way of saying, but at the same time you could speak that it's not full relief because one cannot replace the other. I mean, you cannot replace the gopis with the queens of Dwarka or, or whatever. That's the whole main point of, of, of the Bhagavad. It's not that you can replace Vrindavan with Mathura, with Dwarka. Each of them had their own glories in their respective situation, but the love of Braj is the topmost. So whatever Krishna finds outside of Braj kind of resembles that to him. Mainly the point is because he's absorbed in Braj uh, mostly, principally. On the, on the foremost level, he's absorbed in Braj. So if you are absorbed with someone, whatever you see reminds you of that thing. But it doesn't mean that those things are exactly the same. You may feel even that because of your absorption, like Mahaprabhu being seeing the ocean and feeling this is Jamuna. Strictly speaking, that's not Jamuna. She's seeing Chatak seeing over and he's projecting his bow. So we could say, yeah, Krishna is in Mathura and Dwarka in that particular form, expands, expanded form, and in that form even. Yeah, everything comes somehow or other he connects with Braj, but at the same time, it's not Braj. It's not the same. I mean, th that's the point. So in, when when wanting to, to emphasize how Dwarka Mathura is not the same, Samacharas will say Krishna was trying to find Vrindavan, but was sad because he was not able to find that. And when trying to emphasize how Krishna was absorbing Vrindavan everywhere and everything resembled that to him, he, they would, may say he found some relief in that. But the point is the same. No, they are trying to make the same form from different directions, establishing the topmost position of Rajabab. So, thank you for for the question of the commenter. Yeah, the, those were good points. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, anything else? <clears throat> okay. So, I think we can finish here. And of course, if you have some further questions, those who have Facebook, hopefully. You can connect to the Tatwa Vivek group. I think the, the video of the lecture will be shared there. So in the thread, in the chat section of that video, you can share any question and we will be available to continue exchanging Harikata along the week till we may find each other, meet each other again next Monday. So thank you so much to all of you. Shri Gurudev Ki Jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Grantara Srimad Bhagavatan Ki Jai, Shri Brahma Gita Ki Jai, <coughs> Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Pramanand Haribo. <coughs>